Blog Talk Radio. Here's Galchenyuk, Cantonier scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in and shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up with a drop, look at it, he's in the line, waiting, scores! Hello, monsieur, ladies and gentlemen, Akiyev, no, get Oh, my stars, what a stop by Kelly Price, Robin, Sidney Crosby. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. There's a few things that I'd like to mention. First of all, that we're extremely disappointed to lost first round, not even to move on to the next round, to the New York Rangers. Uh, overall, the season was good. We had a good season, but it doesn't uh, take away our deception is sitting here today. And Claude, uh, when I brought him here in February, he's going to be here for long term. He's a great coach who knows how to win, and we're going to work together to be back next year and uh, put this team where it should be moving forward. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 210 of the Habs 360 podcast, the 2016-17 Habs season in review. My name is Chris G., and you can find me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. Well, the Montreal Canadiens finished the season with a record of 47, 26, and 9. With a, that gives them a total of 103 points. That placed them first in the Atlantic Division. It, if they finished fourth in the uh, Eastern Conference. And well, overall in the NHL, they finished seventh when it comes to points. And then heading into the playoffs, Canadians faced New York Rangers in the first round and lost in the six games to the New York Rangers. So coming up in the next 60 minutes, we'll be looking back at the 2016-17 Montreal Canadiens uh, season and uh, joining me to uh, help me uh, look at the season is uh, editor-in-chief and owner of the Ohio Network of Sites. Twitter handle is at AllHabs. It's Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, glad to be with you in the studio. And uh, it's it's a, a little sad that, that the season is over, but uh, excited to look back uh, at the season that just uh, completed and, uh, and to look forward a bit as well to next season. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on Habs 360. Well, it's a special edition of the winners and our losers for this episode, the 210. Uh, normally, on every podcast, myself and Rick, we choose one winner and one loser in the past seven days, Montreal Canadiens related, and we announce our winners. For our season in review episode, we're each going to choose two winners and two losers. But not for the week, it'll be for the entire 2016-2017 season. So it's the big honors. 
We keep talking about the, the plaque that the players get. Well, if you're nominated in today's episode, you get the biggest one, like the one that you take home and you show your mom and your dad and you frame in your basement. And, well, eventually they might go to the Hall of Fame as well because that's how special that these uh, plaques are. So we're going to begin with some uh, with some positive. We're going to begin with our winners uh, of the season. And Rick, why don't you start off with yours? Um, my winner is uh, w- one of my winners is is going to go to Arturi Lekkonen. Um, now he was uh, probably not on the radar of many people um, coming into the season. As far as additions to the team, uh, you know, a, a lot was being uh, made of, and, and rightly so, of, of Radulov and Shea Weber. And, um, but Lekkonen is a player I've been looking forward to seeing in a Canadian's uh, jersey for a long time, ever since I saw him um, in person um, play for Finland. And uh, I, I was, that was few years ago now, but I was just blown away. And um, I think that, you know, when, when Claude Julien came, I think it was a bit of an eye opener for him too, because he, he spoke about not being very familiar um, with, with Lekkonen prior to arriving in Montreal, but, but immediately um, spoke of, of, of how smart uh, Lekkonen was how he, uh, he was very trustworthy. Um, and, and that seems to be the, the, the thing that, that every, everybody seems to notice. Even Derek Stepan uh, mentioned that in the, in the playoff series. He spoke. Um, and uh, Jordy Ben said that, that Lekkonen has the, the ability to get lost on the ice. And, and that, uh, you know, unless you're uh, you've played hockey, you, you, maybe you don't kind of get what that means or or what that that uh, h- how difficult it is to do that. Um, but Lekkonen has the ability to see the play developing. He kind of gets lost and then emerges. And um, was probably a surprise for most, picking up 18 goals on the season. He added 10 assists, a couple goals in the playoffs. Um, you know, for a second round uh, 2013 pick, uh, he's he's been everything that the Canadians, everything and more that uh, the Canadians could have hoped for. Um, and I think one thing that's kind of lost when we look back on on Lekkonen's, uh rookie season is that he played less than his time on ice was less than 14 minutes a game, um, and still was able to accomplish a, a great deal. So. Um, you know, he was put in all situations, good on 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 uh, offense, defense, and as Claude Julien said, nothing seems to phase him. Um, you know, he didn't disappear in the playoffs. He was he was uh, one of the Canadians that showed up. Um, he just has that that both the hockey IQ and the the calmness and the mindset to be able to um, absorb things and. Um, I think I think all all Canadians fans now that their eyes have been opened to Arturi Lekkonen are um, really anxious to see what he can do and maybe what he can do with uh, a little bit more ice time than he had this past season. And uh, let's hear Lekkonen and his thoughts on uh, the season. It was a lot to learn for sure. I mean, but 
like uh, the guys that we have on the team, like they took me in from the beginning of the season, really uh, showed me the, showed me how the things are done, and that helped me a lot along the way. And like uh, the longer the season went, the more I realized like how uh, important it was for me in the beginning of the beginning of the year to get that kind of like uh, guidance in the beginning. Well, I was one of those people that Rick mentioned that didn't know much about uh, Arturi Lekkonen before the season started. And boy, was he a pleasant surprise to me. Uh, if you would have told me at the start of the season that uh, Lekkonen would have scored 18 goals, I would have said you're probably uh, a Habs fan that's wearing those pink glasses that you're seeing too positive from him that you're expecting. You have uh, too much of high expectations. But now with with an 18 goal season to uh, to start off, it's easy to to project that he might be a 20 goal scorer for the Canadians even as of next year. And well, this year the Canadians had only two 20 goal scorers, Patrick and Paul Byron. So adding a third one definitely would have been um, would have been great. And in the playoffs, he was the most consistent, probably the best Montreal Canadiens forward. And I think next season, wouldn't be surprised if we see Lekkonen uh, on a, a top six um, spot in the lineup. So congratulations to Arturi Lekkonen. And now I'm going to move on to uh, my first winner of the season, and that's Alex Radulov. A free agent, a free agent signing last summer. He signed a one-year contract, a little under $6 million, arguably, the best UFA signing from any team uh, during the um, the off season, and Mark Bergevin, since his tenure started, it's uh, a little over five years. He's tried to get top six forwards uh, to come to Montreal, and well, Radulov is the most successful, a lot more successful than uh, Semen was, than Daniel Briere was, than Pierre Paronto was. And I'm forgetting names right now, but definitely Radulov, not even close. He, he was the best uh, acquisition that uh, Bergevin has done to fill in that spot. Finished the season with the 18 goals, 36 assists. That's 54 points uh, with a plus 10 in the 76 games played. He was energetic, lots of passion, and everybody that, uh, that played with him, they were successful throughout the season. In the playoffs as well, he was good, especially at the start of the series against the New York Rangers. He finished the series with a seven points in six games, so that's a little over one point a game in the playoffs. And that's, um, that's pretty good, considering the number of uh, goal scoring that is done overall in, uh, in the playoffs in the NHL. The big question now that comes to Alex Radulov He's a free agent. Will he resign? And let's hear what uh, Radulov had to say about playing in the city of Montreal. Oh, yeah, I expect it, yeah. But when you see these things you, before, you cannot imagine how good is it to play here. And, and it, it was a, it, it's an honor too, you know, because uh, I mean those fans there they've been so good to us and uh, to our team. You know, they supported us through the whole year. And you know, in playoffs it was, it was an amazing three games at home. Even we lost two of them, but France was for us, and they were. It's it's something special, so it's 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 nice to 
And Rick, after the season that Radulov had, he he has to sign back in Montreal, right? I I expect it would be it would be a shock if he didn't sign in in uh, resign in Montreal. Let's let's just put it that way. Uh, and if he doesn't uh, sign in in Montreal, it's it's because the uh, you know he and and uh, Bergevin couldn't make the numbers work. Um, but I expect I th- I think both want it to work out. Radulov would like to be back here. Um, I you know it's it's pretty clear that he enjoyed. Um, the atmosphere of playing in Montreal. Uh, he enjoyed um, his his teammates. He, uh, you know, was very enthusiastic, um, and that certainly rubbed off on on the rest of the team. It was just a nice fit, and him coming in with, um, you know, again, I, I guess there was there was, you know, we didn't connect. Some people didn't connect the dots in that that they they. Uh, focused more on his his uh, previous NHL um, uh, experience and 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 not uh, what he had done in in the KHL because if if you look at what he had done in the KHL just prior to coming here, you know it it was pretty it's pretty evident uh, what he could run the team in points uh, second to to um, Max Pacioretty, you know ahead of Galchenik ahead of Gallagher. Uh, that probably would have been hard to predict going into the season. Um, the other thing, the, the, the Canadians had uh, wanted to improve the power play going into the season, brought in Kirk Muller to help do that, and, and Kirk did a good job, brought in Shea Weber, brought in Radulov. Radulov was uh, second only to Shea Weber in power play points with 16, uh, so he made a big impact there. Um, I, I, and, and I think he was, was good for, uh, Max Pacioretty as well. Now, if they could only get a, uh, a true first line center, um, I think that that line could be, uh, consistently dominant. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting Radulov to, uh, to resign. Uh, let's, let's hope that that can happen. And there's been a lot of talk whether like what the demands are for Radulov or Canadians. Uh, the terms that I'm expecting or that I'd be willing to give to Radulov, I would say you know, between four and a five-year contract for him, like nothing longer than that. And you know, this year he was making 5.75 million. I'd probably go up to six and a half maximum. Seven million dollars per season, and uh, if if this happens, I expect the signing to happen after the expansion draft, because if it happens before, the Canadians would need to uh, protect him. In terms of Rick, in, in terms of I guess contract terms, what do you expect? Or what would you like to see when it comes to Habs and Radulov? I think what you've outlined is is uh, you know is would be reasonable for the Canadians. Whatever he accepts from the Canadians will be less than what he could have got if he if he went to free agency. I think there's somebody, there's a team out there that's willing to throw a boatload of money and term at him, um, uh, and and is in a better position to do that than the Canadians are. So I think he'll take um, a bit of a discount, um, but there's there's other factors and and I think uh, at this stage of his career, you know he want he wants to 
to certainly get what's fair. Um, but I think he'll take uh, a, a bit of a discount just because he enjoys uh, the atmosphere of playing in Montreal. So, Rajlov, if you're listening to today's episode, we're going to send you your plaque only if you resign in Montreal. So there we go. So we're going to blackmail him a bit. <laughs> so, Rick, why don't you now tell us who your second winner of the season is? My second winner of the season is Carey Price. And um, I, I know there was a, uh, you know, some uh, called it a, a little bit of a dip in his performance uh, mid-season. I didn't really see it that way. Um, but I think to, to really fully appreciate the kind of season that Carey Price have, we have to go back to, um, say, say, last year at this time. Um, there was a lot of unknowns with respect to Carey Price. He had the injury. Uh, he was he was recovering. Um, we had no idea what to expect from Carey Price. No idea what he was going to look like when he when he came back. Um, and we got our first sense of that in the World Cup of Hockey. He was outstanding. He was sensational. He was he was Carey Price all over again. Um, and but you know. Would he be able to carry that on throughout the season? Would he be able to have a full season? Would he be able to have a relatively injury-free season? Those were all big questions. Um, could he regain his stature? Well, you know, if you look at the numbers, uh, top three in, in, in many of the categories, um, he, uh, despite the, the Canadians exiting the playoffs, Carey Price was um, uh, just absolutely outstanding. Um, with his numbers there, 9.36, I believe, uh, save percentage in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's also um, uh, evident when you look at, at him being named as a, uh, as a finalist for the Vesna Trophy. Now, with, with some of the other awards, uh, they're a bit of a popularity contest because they're, they're media voted. But, the Vezina is voted on by the GMs. So it's, it's um, a tip of the cap to carry that the GMs around the league still respect him and think that he had uh, of, of the goaltenders out there. Uh, he was one of the three best um, uh, this past season. And, and I would, I would, uh, if I had a vote, I would, I would have voted that way too. Um, I think his, his season was, um, spectacular and and um and was a big reason why the canadians were able to um be division winners um and unfortunately didn't have the the scoring to go along with it in the playoffs but Kerry did what his did more than he was asked to do uh and had a superb season so for that reason i'm going to give him uh, my my second winner of the year he finished with a 223 goals against average, 923 uh, save percentage. And Terry Price, it, it seems like it's always the same story, uh, season after season. Uh, there's always people who, want, who are asking for Terry Price to get traded, even after, like uh, you just mentioned, Rick, that he's a candidate for the Vezina Trophy. And I'll disagree with you with one point where he said that uh, some people thought that he went through a bad stretch. Well, I think he did go through a bad stretch. Uh, I would say from December until Claude Julien came in on uh, February 14th. But overall, 
a very good season for for Carey Price. In the postseason, he allowed 12 goals in six games against the New York Rangers. So there's not much more you can ask for Carey Price to do in uh, in the playoffs. And well, the storyline for Carey Price during the offseason is as of July 1st, Canadians and Carey Price can start talking a new contract. Carey Price's current contract is at $6.5 million a season. Uh, let's hear Carey Price and whether or not he wants to stay in Montreal. I want to stay here. I know I know. we'll figure out a way to make all the pieces fit and, and, and bring a championship here. Clear. It seems like uh, Carey Price wants to come back to the Canadians. Uh, and based on what we heard from Bergevin at the end of season press conference where he said he wants him back, he was very clear that he wants him back. We just heard Carey Price as well. So I'm convinced that Carey Price will resign before the beginning of uh, of the training camp next year, and I'm expecting. Uh, I'll say about a. You know, a lot of people are saying nine, ten million dollars per season for Carey Price. I don't think it's going to reach to that point. I think it'll probably stay in around the eight million dollar mark. Rick, how do you see these uh, contract talks for Carey Price uh, happen during the off season? I, I think Carey Price has been the biggest, bar, you know, we talk about Max Pacioretty, which Max Pacioretty has a Canadian's friendly contract as well. But um, Carey Price is the biggest bargain and has been for the past few seasons in the NHL. Um, his, his uh, you know, paltry when it compared to, uh, say, Subban um, and, and the, the relative... Uh, impact of the two players is is not even close. Um, Carey Price has earned the money. He deserves the money. And whatever Carey Price wants, um, it, you know, he said he wants to make it work. So I, you know, I I think uh, he's not going to cripple the team. Whatever he wants, I I, I give him. Uh, he's he's that important to the Montreal Canadiens. So congratulations, to Carey Price. Your plaque is in the mail. Uh, my second winner of the season is uh, Shea Weber. And while he was part of the uh, blockbuster deal during uh, last offseason in uh, June, uh, the, the trade between the Canadians and the Predators involving uh, Shea Weber and uh, P.K. Subban, there was a lot of questions around Shea Weber and his age. And I still have those questions when it comes to that aspect of the trade. And I still think that the long-term the Predators will win the trade between the Canadians and the Predators. The only thing I think would change my mind of that is if the Canadians win a Stanley Cup with uh, Shea Weber in the lineup. But that being said, you can't criticize Shea Weber and the season that he had with the Canadians and the impact that he had to the team this year. He was solid uh, defensively, always did his job, always facing the, the opponent's uh, best players. He brought it offensively as well, 42 points in the 78 games played, and that includes 12 power play goals, which was uh, the most by any defenseman in the NHL. And it was the same thing in the playoffs. He was the best player for the Canadians from beginning to the end of the series against the New York Rangers, where there was a lot of questions on how he'd be able to manage an 82-game season and the postseason. 
Well, I think he proved everybody, including myself, for that uh, that uh, that we were wrong to doubt him for this season. And quickly, let's hear to Shea Weber and him adjusting to Montreal. Uh, you know what? No, it uh, the adjustment was made actually pretty quickly, and I it was easier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be uh, um, difficult, obviously being in one place for 11 years. I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but um, looking back now, I'm. Like I said, I'm really happy with uh, with everything. I, I love it here, and I uh, look forward to uh, moving ahead and, and getting better. So, Rick, what are your thoughts on Shea Weber's season? Well, uh, as you said, um, certainly best in the in uh, the best Canadian in the playoffs, the best skater in the playoffs, um, and um, and you know, consistent throughout the season. You you, you look at his his uh, goals against per 60 um, the best by far on the Montreal Canadiens for the season. And one of the best in the league. Um, When you, when you talk to, um, you know, the scouts and the GMs from the other teams and, and, you know, who's the toughest player that uh, they have to face their forwards have to face. It's always, the answer is always Shea Weber, the toughest player to play against in the NHL. He's, he's a true shutdown defenseman. Um, and so when you say that, when you say that, that a defenseman is a shutdown player, a shutdown defenseman, it's, it's usually at the expense of offense. Um, it's usually, you know, oh, but you know, he, he contributes a goal here and there. Um, but not, not with Shea Weber. Uh, as you as you mentioned, um, 42 points, uh, 22 power play points. Um, can't say that enough. 12 power play goals, as you said. Um, he's he's been there on the offensive side uh, for the Canadians, and and one of the leaders. Um, you know, being being new to the team, he still emerged as uh, almost immediately as as one of the the leaders in the team. Uh, that's a rather unique combination to. Um, be equally impactful offensively, um, defensively, and, um, you know, on and off the, the ice as a, as a leader. Um, Shea Weber had a superb season and, uh, uh, you know, full value and, and full credit to um, Mark Bergevin for going out and, and facing the criticism and, and getting one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. So congratulations to uh, Shea Weber and Carey Price. Alex Radulov and Arturi Lekonen for being the Habs 360 winners of the season. Coming up next, we're going to take a look now on the other side, our losers of the season. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Ticket IQ, today's leading sponsor, is a leading event ticket search engine. Offering a low price guarantee on all events in Montreal, you will not find better deals on Canadians' tickets than through Ticket IQ. Download their mobile app in the App Store or Google Play and get $20 off your first order. Head to the App Store, 
Search Ticket IQ and be on your way to the best deals on Canadians' tickets. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Icecaps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back. That's the 210 of the Habs 360 podcast, the 2016-17 Canadians season in review. Uh, in the first segment, we spoke about our winners of uh, the season. Now we're going to speak about our losers of the season. Myself and Rick will choose uh, two each. And Rick, why don't you start with yours and tell us who your loser of the season is, your first one is. Well, when I got back to the, um, the person who had the most negative impact on the season, um, it was, it, the answer came pretty clear. Um, and even though he didn't finish the season with the Montreal Canadiens, he still had, um, unfortunately, had had a huge impact on their their uh, uh, direction and how things turned out. And that's Michelle Therrien. Um, Michelle Therrien should have never been the Montreal Canadiens coach at all this past season, given if he was, um, you know, evaluated just on the previous season. Um, the disastrous season, um, the the collapse in December, the, the you know being one of the worst teams uh, on the ice to finish the the previous season. Um, if evaluated, you know, objectively, Michel Therrien should have never started the season as the Canadiens' coach, but he did. Um, Michel Therrien is. Um, you know, we can talk about his his tactics, which uh, and his his system that was played, which is, you know, mediocre. We can talk about his inability to uh, adapt. We can talk about his arrogance or his stubbornness. Um, but I think the the most destructive feature of Michel Therrien was his his ability to strip the confidence from his players, his negativity. Um, and, and really, you know, his job was when, when the, 
when the team ran into challenges um, was to find a way to get out of that. And, and we saw that in the previous season, we saw this past season, he couldn't do it. He didn't, he was, he was certainly there to ride the coattails of Carey Price and all the wins and pad his, his uh, personal coaching record. But, um, you know, when it came to coaching techniques to, to didn't have them. He doesn't have them. Um, and I think that's because he, he lacked professional accountability. Um, you know, it was never his fault. Uh, he was always too willing to, to publicly toss players under the bus. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've given him credit in the past for bringing a new discipline to, um, to the Canadians that wasn't there under Jacques Martin. Um, but you know, his, his, his system just didn't work. Uh, he's supposed to be a defensive coach yet, uh, bottom of the league in shots for bottom of the league in shots allowed always through his entire career. Um, you know, uh, we looked at, at preseason rankings of coaches by uh, the score and by the hockey news, and they always rated him near the bottom, 25th, 26th coach, uh, best coach in the league. And, uh, yeah, I guess he's a, an NHL coach, and he got a, an interview with the Panthers. And, but, but for the Canadians, it was rather destructive. And I think we saw that, that it took a while for Claude Julien to, to start uh, rebuilding the confidence of players when he arrived. And with some players it happened and some it, it didn't. Um, we saw that, that his decisions, um, you know, his choice of, of David DeArnais, um at the beginning of the season and sending Mike McCarron down to, to St. John's had a huge impact when it came around to the playoffs and, and or the end of the season, Mike McCarron got in for one game, and and you know Mike McCarron didn't look like he, oh well, he didn't have any impact whatsoever because he wasn't prepared. He wasn't, he didn't have the experience of playing uh, a full season in the NHL to prepare him for uh, the, that playoff series because Tarion had to protect his favorite Dayarnay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Claude Julien, uh, and having a full season a, a full training camp and a full season and seeing what decisions he make makes, um, and, and roster decisions he makes. Um, because when he inherited the team, he had to live with some of the mistakes made by Michelle Therrien. And at that point of the season, they were irreparable. Um, and, uh, you know, um, with respect to, to uh, building team cohesion with respect to player development uh, through the system. Michelle Terrian was uh, a big black mark on this organization. And, uh, and so for that, um, and probably for the final time that we talk about him, uh, he's going to be my loser of the year. I got to tell you, Rick, after uh, you made, uh, statement the one I'm going to play in a second. I'm surprised that you chose uh, Michel Terry to be the loser of the season. S- supporting the coach, which you know I love to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I was surprised hearing you naming him after you make statements like that. But uh, <laughs> but no serious, uh, all seriousness, uh, the way that the Canadians were playing in that stretch uh, right before he got fired on Valentine's Day, 
Uh, I don't think uh, Mark Brezhnev had a choice but to fire Michel Terrier at that time. It seemed like the team was uh, heading uh, was heading downhill, and like I don't think we need to go to this the, the whole debate on uh, on this episode. But when we're talking about confidence and that Claude Julien is he's building the confidence of players, well. If you're looking at somebody like uh, Galchenyuk, he was playing on the fourth line wing. Uh, Bowyer was playing was in the stands, part of the rotation that Claude Julien was mentioning, and Alexi Emelin wasn't playing at one point because of a rotation. So how good is that for their confidence as uh, as well? If Michel Tanyan would have done those kind of moves, uh, Fire Tanyan would have been trending on Twitter and all over all over social media when Claude Julien did it. We barely heard uh, a word on um, on that. But that being said, I still believe overall that throughout his coaching tenure, Michel Terrier did do a good job with considering the roster that he had on hand. Uh, Canadians for so many years have been struggling with, with lack of top six forwards, with uh, no number one center. And besides last season... The team would always finish in the top when it came to uh, in the league with with the points, leading the division in almost every single season and and top of the conference consistently almost year after year. And one thing that I was uh, annoyed as well throughout the Mitchell tenure, uh, uh, tenure was that he was always blamed for every single loss but never got credit for uh, for, for anyone. So. So Michel Therrien, Rick's uh, loser of um, of the season, and I quick mentioned, hopefully we won't need to bring up his name uh, again on this uh, podcast. All right, I'm going to move on now to my first loser of the season, and he's part of the coaching staff as well, and that's J.J. Daniel. And, well, it seems that everything J.J. Daniel touches, it starts sucking, sorry, lack of a better word. Last year it was the power play that sucked, and this season it was the, the, the penalty kill, the PK. It was one of the worst in the league until Claude Julien came in. Uh, Julien was known to be a, a penalty killing specialist. He came along, and while well, he made it look decent from uh, that point going forward, JJ Daniel, he's also a defenseman coach, and we haven't really seen many young defensemen get better uh, with the guidance of uh, JJ Daniel. And Rick, I don't know if you agree with me, but I don't expect to see uh, JJ being part of the coaching staff next season. No, I don't either. Um, we are already have seen the the exit of Clem uh, Jardouin, and and that that's fine. Um, uh, he wasn't uh, he wasn't offering much. Uh, Daniel Lacroix, uh, I I don't expect to see him back. Uh, and most certainly, um, if you're putting money on it, J.J. Daniel, um, he, as you said, uh, he's had a, any, anything he puts his stamp on uh, has, uh, has failed. And I think, you know, when you look at um, the Canadians were considering bringing in Larry Robinson and the, the effect of the, the, the mentoring that, that Larry Roberts, Robinson could have had on young defensemen. Um, and you look at J.J. Daniel, and my goodness, he just 
he just hasn't been able to do that to pass on anything to to um, to impart any of of, of his experience or or um, his knowledge or anything with with uh, these young defensemen and um, and I I think you know when we're looking at at uh, well, I said we weren't going to talk about Michelle Terrian again but but Michelle Terrian was was uh, you know, the one who brought uh, Daniel in and, uh, and kept him uh, even though there wasn't any results there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm full, fully with you that I don't expect to see him uh, behind the bench uh, next year. Uh, you know, Claude Julien's going to have the opportunity. He's going to take his time to, to um, uh, bring in his own people. Um, I, I ran into uh, Claude Julien a couple of times um, during the AHL playoffs um, shook his hand, but didn't, didn't ask him the question. Uh, but interestingly enough, Kirk Muller was also there. So I expect that uh, that might be an indication that, that we might see Kirk Muller back uh, in, in the fall. But um, uh, as far as the other assistants, including JJ Daniel, I think that's uh, uh, less of a lock. Um, and probably you're right that uh, he he won't be uh, back next season. Yeah, and the only reason why I wouldn't expect Kirk Mulder to be back is if he gets approached by another team for a head coaching job. But besides that, I don't expect the Canadians to let go Kirk Mulder during the uh, offseason. Okay. Because I'm going to agree with Michelle Therrien. <laughs> well, Michelle Therrien is correct. <laughs> so My go. goodness, we got a highlight reel here, do we? Yeah, we do. It's already every time you mention his name, one of them is going to pop up. Thanks. All right, so, so Rick, why don't you tell us who your second loser of the season is? Well, uh, you know, I hate to pick on him, and um, you've heard my comments throughout the season. If uh, you're a loyal uh, listener to the Habs 360 podcast. Uh, so this should come as no surprise uh, that one of my losers of the season is Nathan Beaulieu. Um, you know, he uh, started the season as uh, on the top pairing with Shea Weber. And um, I didn't necessarily think he belonged there, but he certainly, certainly has fans in the, uh, in the media, uh, the mainstream media who, who um, uh, wanted him to be there. Um, and he, he ended the the season as a, as a healthy scratch. Um, deservedly so. Um, for uh, Beaulieu, it's not necessarily a confidence issue. It's not necessarily even a talent issue. Um, he's a, you know, he's got a lot of talent, a lot of skill, um, um, a lot of ability. He's a, you know, a young puck moving defenseman um, whom a lot of teams want. Um, and surprisingly, for being a puck-moving defenseman uh, this past season, he had one of the worst possession numbers on the team. Um, and that's because he was so often turning the puck over, uh, creating turnovers, getting guys. Um, with Nathan Beaulieu, the problem is uh, twofold, I think. One is is when we talked about um, uh, Arturi Lekkonen and the high hockey IQ, uh, Nathan Beaulieu is at the opposite end of the spectrum. Extremely low uh, hockey IQ, 
can't read the plays, uh, doesn't understand what's going to happen before it happens, um, is, is, is very poor in his own zone. And what, what exacerbates that uh, is that his, his attitude, um, there's no kind of accurate self-analysis. He has an inflated opinion of his own abilities. Um, and he believes that he's a, a top two defenseman. Um, and this egotism um, with nothing to learn um, is what what is is the block that that is is not allowing him to to advance right now. Um, he's he's just not willing to to uh, take the time to improve that part of his game to to um, you know to understand the game better. Uh, you would think that 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 the hard part is having the physical ability to be a, a you know an NHL uh, caliber defenseman, and it is the 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 easy part should be you know watching tape and learning and and uh, learning from some of the the mentors and and really focusing on understanding his role uh, a lot better, and he's just unwilling to do that. Um, so for his lack of, of hockey IQ, his, his attitude, um, I, I fully expect that uh, Mark Bergevin is going to try to move him. Uh, and for the Canadians, it would be, uh, you know, addition by, subtra- by subtraction. It's not necessarily who they get back, although they should get uh, for a young um, defenseman who has potential. Um, there's some team out there that's going to be seduced by his physical talents um, and think that they can change him. And maybe they can. Uh, so Mark Bergevin should be able to get something significant back in return. And um, I expect we'll see that before the expansion draft. Let's hear Nathan Bullier and his comments on his role. This was at the Logger Cleanup Day. It's tough to say. I mean, um, I, I obviously want to be here. Um, obviously, I, I, I still believe in, in myself and um, know I can be a big part of this team. So um, it's tough to put a fingerprint on it right now. But, I mean, uh, I know I uh, feel like I'm still a big part of this team, uh, the back end. And I feel like uh, the organization still thinks that from talking to them. So um, this is another big summer for me. And, uh Get ready for uh, come back to work again. And well, the way that his season ended, I'm surprised that he feels this way. And if that's the message that he got from Bergevin and uh, Claude Junior as well, we've been expecting Nathan Bolger to be a regular top four defenseman for the Canadians for what the last two, maybe even the last three seasons, if we're stretching it a bit. And well, he still uh, wasn't able to uh, fill those shoes. And like Rick mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not here uh, for the start of next season, whether it be before or after the expansion uh, draft. All right, I'm going to move on now to my uh, second losers of the season. And I'm going to just uh, lump in everybody who has anything to do with the Canadians' career uh, development. At the end of season press conference, when Mark Bergevin asked if anyone in St. John's was ready to come up and play center, uh, very easily said, "No, that there isn't." And 
you know, he's right. It's not false information, but it just blows my mind that uh, that there's nothing ready to come up from St. John's that will have uh, impact to the Canadians in the short term. If you look at the prospects, uh, besides Sergachev, besides Noah Jolson, and there's pretty much nothing. And both haven't played in the NHL yet. Okay, I think Jolson played a couple of playoff games towards the end of um, of the season of that series. But look at players like Sherback, who was supposed to have lots of potential. He's already played in the NHL. He's been in the NHL for a couple of years. Uh, Charles Ludon, he seems to be putting uh, goals in the net this year. He seems he had a good year. Nothing seems to be happening with him when it comes to the NHL front. Padron, he was a young defenseman. He was moved on uh, from the Canadians uh, during the season. If you look at somebody like uh, Jacob De La Rose, he, he had one season where he got a real good chance with under Michel Therrien with the Canadians. And after that, he played a couple of games with the Canadians this year. But at least so far, it doesn't seem like anything will pan out with, uh, with him as well. And Mark Bergevin was asked a question about uh, player development at the uh, Walker cleanup day, and let's hear. At some point, players have to take ownership. So I'm not going to start blaming uh, our, our people around. You know, at some point, players have to want to take ownership, nor their game app. And uh, you tell players, this is what you need to work on. And until young players realize that it is an issue, they need to get better. Uh, they never will. So hopefully uh, this year was a message strongly sent of their plays, and hopefully they could turn around. Well, I I half agree with Mark Benjamin that the players definitely do have a lot to do with their own development. But I think people like uh, Marty Lapointe, Rob Ramage, all the HL coaching staff that they have uh, in St. John's uh, going to Laval next season, they all have their contribution as well, and I don't think they they did a good job this season. And Rick, that's why I'm naming whatever I do with play development as my losers of the season. Yeah, I I have uh, I have no argument with uh, with your pick. Um, I think that it's clear uh, over the past uh, few years, and when you look at uh, say the hockey news or who, they first evaluate. Um, the, the the scouting staff for each team uh, based on how the the, the picks um, how many games that the, the the draft picks played in the NHL and the Canadians always rate high um, as far as their scouting staff but when you look at the number of games played with their own team um, with the team that drafted them um, that number the Canadians are always extremely low uh, which speaks to the development which speaks to the transition from um, the the amateur and and uh, AHL ranks to to the NHL. Um, I think that that you know you mentioned the the uh, people that have some responsibility, and I said I wasn't going to mention his name again, but I have to mention Michelle Terrian in that that uh, Michelle Terrian um, more than anyone else. Um, in the in the development team has had a, a you know the final say on whether that those young players whether those prospects transition to the NHL uh, and when they get there how they're treated 
uh, how their confidence is, is uh, you know, is buoyed. Um, and Michelle Therrien has had a huge effect negatively on the, the, the development of, of young prospects. Um, and I expect, given, given the style of, of coaching, I expect the, the development, uh, the transition as it, as it is to improve uh, just, just in the NHL coaching change. Um, I, you mentioned uh, a few of the players. Uh, De La Rose had an exceptional year. Um, and uh, Charles Houdon uh, as well. Charlie Lindgren had a superb year. Uh, MVP of, uh, along with Chris Terry of, of, of the Ice Caps. Juleson looked uh, terrific uh, the, the couple games he played in the playoffs. Um, Sherback is, is uh, you know, uh, an, another, another season where he can dominate in the NHL relatively injury, in the AHL relatively injury free, and he'll be, he'll be ready to move along. Uh, so there are some prospects. Um, I just want to see that those prospects are supported um, when they, uh, along the way, uh, both at the AHL level and when they get to, to the NHL. For sure, unappropriate comment. <laughs> you know, you, you're going to fall down when when I say this, but I think Tyrion made an excellent decision. Here we go. <laughs> so still to come on the Habs 360 podcast. Uh, so I don't know if we should say first of all congratulations to our losers, but at least hey, you got mentioned the Habs 360 podcast, which is always a good thing. So on the other side of the break. We're going to talk about the Canadians' protection list and some other off-season storylines. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. 
Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Hab fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 210 of the Habs 360 podcast, the 2016-17 Canadians season in review. And well, one thing in particular that doesn't come up often for general managers and teams during the offseason is them preparing for an expansion draft. And while it's the case, uh, this season for all 30 teams in the NHL, they're going to have to protect the uh, players. Teams have the option of protecting seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, or they could choose to protect uh, eight skaters and uh, one goalie. So we're just going to go with the assumption the Canadians are going to choose to uh, draft uh, to uh, sorry to protect the most players as they can. And let's begin with the forwards. Uh, there's a couple of um, uh, criteria that players must meet to be eligible for the expansion draft. I'm not going to go through them right now, but they have to have played a certain amount of games in the NHL. But one thing to keep in mind: players like Michael McCarron. Arturi Lekkonen and Nikita Sherbak don't need to be protected by the Canadians. They are not eligible to be uh, picked by the by Las Vegas. And one thing to keep in mind is that the Canadians are going to lose one player, no matter what, unless they, they make some kind of a trade with Vegas uh, prior to that. So let's begin with the seven forwards. Here are my seven forwards that I would protect if I was uh, Mark Bergevin. Uh, it's, they are Max Pacioretty, Alex Galchenyuk, Paul Byron, Philip Dano, Andrew Shaw, Brandon Gallagher, and uh, Thomas Plekanec. And one thing to keep in mind here is I'm assuming that Alex Radulov will be signed after the expansion draft or else he would be one of my top seven forwards. So, Rick, I threw my seven names out there. Is there, is, is there anyone that stands out for you? Well, um, yeah, that's the interesting part. I, th- I think that um, th- there's some that, that are, 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 you know, not controversial, not, not in question. Pacioretty, Gallagher, Galchenyuk, Sean, Dano. Uh, Byron might be on the, the, the bubble, but I see the Canadians protecting um, um, Byron. So the, the, the kind of choice it comes down to is Placanitz. Um, uh, Daniel Carr, uh, Jacob Delarose, Charles Houdon. Those are, those are the, um, those are the ones that are, Hmm. Um, you know, the question marks are surrounding. I, I would see them leaving Thomas Buchanan's, uh, available. Um, and, and that is, you know, wondering whether the, whether the, the Knights would, would take him, um, and take his contract, um, and in, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's left off the, uh, the protected list. Not, not that the Canadians are wanting to 
uh, get rid of Thomas Pocanitz necessarily. Uh, Thomas Pocanitz played very well in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, uh, gambling that, that he won't be one of the ones uh, who, uh, who Vegas goes after. Okay, so so we'll see what uh, that happens. Very possible, and there's a, there's a certain minimum that I don't have off the top of my hand, uh, on top of my head right now. That Vegas has to reach a certain minimum of uh, in terms of salary, and it's and it's higher than the, the the floor. So it's something to keep in mind as well. And it also makes it interesting because the list will be made available to the public as well. I think it's 48 hours before the expansion draft. Let's move on to the defense, but now I think this is where it gets interesting. Uh, the Canadians protecting three of them. Uh, Jeff Petrie has to be protected because he has a no movement, no movement clause. The other protected player I think is easy, which would be Shea Weber. And then the third choice is where it gets difficult. It gets a little questionable, and I think this is where we should expect Mark Frederick to make a move prior to expansion draft because I doubt it. Well, I doubt it. it Nathan Bowyer, like we mentioned, doesn't seem to be in their plan, so why would they protect him? Then that would leave other two defensemen is Emeline and, uh, and Ben. Ben uh, might be more attractive to um, to a team like Vegas because of his contract. It might make it easier for them to choose him. Where Alexi Emlin still has longer term left on his contract. So honestly, Rick, for uh, Weber and Petrie for me are my two shoe ends for defensemen. But then for the number third defenseman, to me, it's either Emlin or Ben. What do you think? I think that um, yeah. Would they let Beaulieu go for nothing? No, I think that a, a trade would be made. If if Mark Bergevin isn't able to make a trade, um, I think then they have to protect Beaulieu. But I fully expect that that he'll make a trade. Um, for me, that number that number uh, three pick is between Jordy Ben or Brandon Davidson. Um, both when when the trades were made for those two players. Dallas said one of the reasons they were willing to let him go is because they feared losing him in the expansion draft. Edmonton said the same thing about Davidson. Um, one of the reasons they were able to um, let him go. We didn't see a whole lot from Davidson, um, but talking to uh, some of the scouts and the media uh, from Edmonton, they're pretty high on this guy. And, and um, I, I think that, you know, certainly the ceiling is higher for Davidson than it has been. Ben, we know what we're dealing with. He's, he's solid. Um, you know, he looked good in on the third pairing. Didn't look so good when moved up to the second pairing, uh, whereas Davidson was, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, flexible. Um, so I think that's, that's where the, the decision is going to come down. And again, they would be assuming that, that um, uh, Vegas doesn't want to take on the, the, the Emlyn contract. Um, but you know, it's, uh, we'll see what happens for, for me. It would be between Ben and Davidson. And well, for goalies, it's pretty simple. It's uh Carey price and it'll be Al Montoya who will be uh, exposed to, uh, to Vegas. So it'll be something to keep an eye out. 
for the expansion draft is approximately a week before the uh, the amateur draft. So definitely a big storyline in uh, this off season. Before before we leave this, Chris, uh, just with respect to Montoya, I know there's a lot of people out there saying that um, Montoya could be picked up by by Vegas um, because uh, he has the potential to be a number one. I think that uh, Vegas is going to have its choice. Uh, there's going to be better options than El Montoya uh, that are made available to Vegas. Um, and so I don't expect, I mean, it would be helpful for the Canadians. Uh, it would help a bit of a log jam on the back. We've got Michael McNiven uh, making the jump to pros uh, next year. We've got Charlie Lindgren. Uh, we've got Zach Fucali, um played most of the year in the ECHL. So I think it would help a bit of the log jam, but I, I don't expect that Vegas is going to take Montoya. Just, just something that I can pass along uh, as far as the philosophy. I spent a lot of time uh, sitting next to a pro scout from uh, Vegas this past year. Um, and their philosophy is that they, they don't want to be a development team that's going to have young players to develop and, and uh, you know, suck the first few years and, and grow into. Um, they, they don't have the same kind of philosophy as, let's say, a Winnipeg. Um, they want to win now. Uh, and we've seen that um, with them kind of surprisingly signing Shipachov, uh, who uh, Mark Bergevin wanted, signing him, um, you know, to be their top line center, which is a, a huge move. So I expect that that we're going to see Vegas uh, put together a team that has uh, some skill and some experience and not necessarily be, a, you know, a, a, a development a team that's going to develop over the course of the season they want to make a they want to compete right away yeah and i think when when all the teams when the league makes all the lists public of all the teams they will have a better of idea when it comes especially to the goaltending position uh, what direction the team might go when it comes to players you know there's too many possibilities to be able to figure out uh, beforehand what a team might be looking for so so a great uh, storyline for for the off season. And and just well, one more thing, like again- just one more thing with respect to the expansion draft, uh, you can you can bet that the Vegas knows the Canadians players well. Number one, as I said, uh, they were uh, the Ice Caps were well scouted by a Vegas uh, scout throughout the season. Number two, Vaughn Carpen is a former uh, whose heads the. Scouting department is a former Canadians employee, and number three, Gerard Gallant, uh, is now the head coach of the Golden Knights, uh, former coach of the Canadians. So um, they are going they are going to know the Canadians um, um, and 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 particularly the prospects really well um, when they make their pick. All right, so expansion draft coming up uh, right before the uh, the amateur the amateur draft. But we felt like, again, we're not going to blow up this team because we were very uh, disappointed this year. But uh, these guys, you know, you know, we didn't finish first in our division over 100 points by accident. So there's a lot of good things, but we have to be patient. So, Rick, we heard there Mark Bergevin not expecting to uh, blow up the team. I think what he's doing is he's just trying to set low expectations for the, the fans. Because if he sets high expectations and he can't pull anything off, then we'll all be disappointed. 
But if we look at the comedians' needs, I think it seems like season after season after season, we're saying the comedians need a, a center, preferably another number one center. Uh, do you think that's what Canadians' biggest need is during the offseason? No question. It was the biggest need when Mark Bergevin arrived. It remains the biggest uh, need now. And if he doesn't uh, complete that puzzle, um, you know, there's there's a lot of fire Bergevin, uh, Bergevin hashtags out there. Uh, his job's going to be in jeopardy. He's, he's already fired the coach. Who comes next usually in that scenario is the general manager. So um, I know he said, oh, it's it's a really hard thing to do. Um, it's also hard to stop a hundred mile an hour slap shot, uh, but he expects his, his goaltenders to do it. So he, he's a, a national hockey league general manager. Um, he, he can't keep saying that, that, uh, you know, he can't do these, these things. He has to, um, follow through, uh, and make it happen. Um, but I don't expect that where I will agree with him. I don't think, you know, we will always have the Tony Marineros of the world out there saying that, that the team should be gutted and, and start over again and, and uh, you know, uh, go, for the, uh, go for the rebuild and the, the draft. So that's, that's not where the Canadians are. Um, they're not that far away. Um, so I, I think he needs to go out, um, add, some, add some significant scoring help, um, and... Um, and as he says, be patient. Also, I think that that uh, you know th- this transition. One of the things that that Bergevin is going to get in trouble with, particularly with the the Radulov signing, if it happens, and the Carey Price um, re-signing, he's going to get into real cap trouble. And how do you fix cap trouble? That is um, graduating young, talented players who are cheap. Um, and so he's got to make sure that that development uh, train is, is, is and transition to the NHL is, is working um, so that that can, that can fix his, his cap problem, fix his scoring problem. Um, and uh, I, I think I'm pretty confident that the Canadians are, are reasonably close um, to uh, being able to, to go certainly a lot further than the first round of the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. One of the other uh, off-season storylines will be Alex Galchenyuk, who is a restricted uh, free agent. And well, let's hear uh, what Mark Bergevin had to say about Galchenyuk's season. Hopefully, he took a back a step back this year to take two forward next year. That's that's what we, we hope. Uh, I think Alex is open to play wherever he wants, where he sees we, he helps the team the most, and that's what Claude, you know, as a head coach. We'll have to decide where can he help. It's not where he wants to play, but where can he use can he a better fit to help our team be successful. So they're just saying that it sounds like he's going to start off next season as a winger. Obviously, that could change uh, before a training camp. A lot of talk whether or not Alex Galchenyuk will be moved during the, uh, the offseason. Rick, my personal opinion is that he won't be moved, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was. What do you think? I don't think he's going to be moved. Obviously, um, you know, he and Tarion weren't on the same page. Um, I don't think it matters um, whether he's a, a center or a winger. 
I just think he needs to get his head straight. I think he needs some stability. I need, I think he needs to know where, um, where he fits. Um, and I think that Claude Julien is going to be better at outlining expectations and roles. One of the, you know, the coach's responsibilities is to set a role for your players and to convey expectations. Tarion wasn't very good at that. Uh, I'm, from what I've seen so far, I think Julian is better, but, but that's going to be the key with Galchenyuk. Um, and, and then it's going to be Galchenyuk getting his, his head on straight and, and getting focused, um, getting focused on ice and getting focused uh, in knowing what his role is and then embracing that and, and, uh, and contributing in the, the way he, he should have been contributing, um, you know, for the last couple of years. Another storyline during the offseason will be Canadian's captain Max Pacioretty with the way that his season ended in the playoffs for his lack of production. Uh, I don't see him being moved during the offseason or any changes. There was even people saying that maybe they should strip him of the captaincy. Rick, what are your thoughts on that? Fake news. It's all <laughs> if, Just in two words. Uh, it's a non-story. Max Pacioretty uh, didn't score, uh, but he had shots. He had chances. Um, uh, you know, he was, uh, he had a very, very good season. He had a, uh, uh, I, I saw him really, uh, uh, growing into the role of a captain. He's respected by the room. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any story there. Um, Max Pacioretty will, uh, be back. He'll be captain and, and, um, and he should have now if, if uh, Bergevin fails to get uh, a, a true first line center for him, we could have all of these, we could have some uncertainty next year, but um, get him a f- first line center. He's a sniper, get him somebody to feed him the puck and Max Pacioretty will be fine. Like, you know, like uh, my first option is going to be in Montreal and uh, I'd like to stay here and uh, I've always been here and um most probably I'd like to finish my career here. So So that's Andre Markov, free agent. Uh, so that was an assumption that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the protection list. But Rick, to me, to me this just sounds like as a formality. I think he's going to, pretty simple, he's going to sign during the offseason with the Canadians. Simple, sign a year, um, um, bring him back. He had a great season. Uh, second best uh, defenseman uh, on the uh, in the on the team. Um, you got Sergachev who can benefit from his mentorship. Um, uh, one of the I, I may have mentioned it before. One of the things that uh, re- I was really struck by Nikita Sherback spent last summer in Montreal, and he spoke specifically about um, uh, the help he received from Andre Markov and the lessons he learned from Andre Markov and the, the work ethic he learned from Andre Markov. Now, you know, um, Sherback's a, a forward, uh, Markov's a defenseman, but, but it was just the lessons and, and um, uh, Andre Markov is, is really respected by the players. I know he's unknown to, to, to many of the fans and, and, uh, and media, but he is a big part of this team and I truly expect that he'll be back um, next season and, and uh, in a significant role. 
And uh, Rick, we heard at the top of the podcast Mark Benjamin's statement saying that he was disappointed with the Canadians' uh, departure in the first round of the playoffs, but overall, good season. Uh, I'll agree with him that I think overall the Canadians did have a good season, disappointing playoffs. What are your thoughts? Were you happy with, overall with the Canadians' 2016-2017 season? Well, I I... I think that there was higher expectations, particularly, you know, how they came out of the gate, any, uh, you know, quite strong again. Um, a first round playoff exit is, is what nobody um, was, uh, was expecting. I was more worried perhaps about the Rangers than, than some others. Um, but Mark Bergevin has to see, has to see that as a, as a failure and, and his inability uh, to, um, to add to the top six uh, as a failure. He can be happy about the additions uh, that we talked about, Weber, Radulov, um, Lekanen, um, but his job isn't finished. Uh, he needs to do more. And um, if he, he had high expectations last year, they're, e- they're going to be even higher uh, next year. Um, Canadians fans are getting impatient. They're seeing that, you know, uh, the window is closing as people say. Um, so I think, I think he has to, as hard as his job is, he's going to have to deliver next season. And well, with that, this will conclude the season number seven of uh, the Habs 360, a podcast. We had great guests that joined us throughout the season to comment on the, the Canadian season. Douglas Gallivan from CBC TV Montreal, TSN's John Lou, uh, Louis Jean from uh, TVA Sports, Jeremy Fulota from 98.5 FM Sports, uh, former NHL Bobby Dallas, uh, TSN's Chris Cuthbert, John Bartlett from Rogers Sportsnet, and, and more. If you missed any of our episodes, please go to the Habs360 page on allhabs.net or search Habs360 on iTunes and even on the TuneIn for our archives. Uh, I'd like to thank also Anthony from r2canvas.com who supported us and a lot of followers to win great prizes during the season. Rick, uh, thank you for a great season, our Habs discussions, our debates on the air, and also great job covering the ice caps, keeping us informed throughout the season. It's been a pleasure, Chris. Uh, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy our discussions. I enjoy our debates. I enjoy our disagreements. I enjoy everything about uh, doing this. Um, I, I think you're a great host. Uh, um, you've been a, a great addition to the Rocket Sports team all these years. Uh, I really appreciate all of the, the hard work that you do to prepare for this show. Uh, I appreciate our friendship. Um, the, um, you know, the, the, uh, we, we, we will be um, uh, taking a bit of a, a sabbatical for the uh, for the summer for the Habs 360 podcast, but w- you know we will be. We don't turn the lights out at Rocket Sports. Um, AllHabs.net will have new, fresh, original content um, all throughout the summer. AHL.report for uh, prospect and uh, and news about the Laval Rocket. Interact with us. Uh, just look for All Habs, uh, all one word, All Habs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we're there to interact with you and uh, provide you. Uh, you can be off of the beach, you can be on your vacation, but know that that uh, that we're tracking all the important stories, the information that you need to know 
and we'll be there to provide it for you. So check in with us often. Uh, again, thanks, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right, same here. And thank you also to the rest of uh, the allhabs.net team for their support. You can follow Rick on Twitter at uh, allhabs. But most importantly, we would like to thank you, our listeners, our followers on Twitter, uh, everybody who follows uh, All Habs, either on the Facebook page or on any of their social media accounts for your support and interacting us with us via Twitter, Facebook, and your phone calls. So as Rick mentioned, the Canadian season on the ice may have concluded, but lots of action during uh, the offseason, especially with the addition of the expansion draft this year. There's the amateur draft agency and well a lot more you can follow Habs 360 on Twitter and visit allhabs.net for all your Montreal Canadiens news our next episode number 211 will be a best of episode where we will replay some of our best moments from the second half of the season I'm Chris G you can follow me on Twitter at Chris 1980 it was fun enjoy the off season I'll be back sooner than you expect so stay tuned for the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.